Podcast One production. Welcome to part three of Jailhouse Lawyer. I'm Adam Shand. I didn't expect to be talking about David McCulloch so soon. At the end of part two, his future seemed promising. He'd done 13 and a half years in prison. And after two years out, McCulloch had put his criminal past behind him. He was working and staying out of trouble. He'd cleared his final legal hurdle. In March 2019, the Legal Services Board of Victoria had brought an action against him for acting as an unqualified lawyer. The offence carried a jail sentence if he was convicted. But that matter was settled without any concession of guilt from the jailhouse lawyer. He was finally free of the system. Leaving the Supreme Court, David? Yes. For once they didn't ask you to stay. (laughs) Well, that's a change, actually. I'm quite impressed with the fact that... uh, There were still matters to be settled. McCulloch was determined to have his 2005 conviction for drug trafficking quashed. He claimed that he was innocent and that drug squad officers had stitched him up, planting cash in his apartment. Those same cops later went to jail for trafficking themselves. If he could have that conviction overturned, then the past might be resolved. However, a few days before Christmas, the past knocked on his door. Welcome to Adam Shand at Large. December 20, 2019. A squad of Border Force officers turned up in an early morning raid. Oh, I think it was around about 6.30. I'm not quite sure. But the Border Force people were thoroughly professional. There was no battle zones behaviour. They were, they were very decent. They did their job based on the Honourable Peter Dutton's instructions. The Border Force officers had orders to take McCulloch to the Broadmeadows Detention Centre for processing. He still had his phone and called me from inside the centre. I'm still in reception. And so they're going to hold you there? Oh, until matters resolved or until I'm deported. If so I'm you have to go back to Scotland, what would, what would that be like? Well, it would be like visiting a new country in a sense. <laughs> yeah. I've been here 48 years. You've still got the accent at least, but that's about all. I do. I still have that, yes. I wondered why McCulloch had not become an Australian citizen. He'd been here for nearly half a century. He'd married an Australian and raised a family. Then in 1987, McCulloch was jailed for five years for heroin trafficking. He admits he was guilty of that. Under the Act, he couldn't apply for citizenship for at least two years because he'd served a prison sentence of more than 12 months. It just didn't seem a priority then anyway. His permanent residency visa was enough for him. From 2005, McCulloch was back in jail. He served 13 and a half years, which made him a serious repeat offender, despite his vehement claims of innocence. Coming out of jail, he was ineligible to apply until 2027, 10 years after his release. McCulloch is paying a price for the company he kept. So how are you feeling, mate? Well, you feel for your family because they're, they're devastated, obviously. I mean, yeah. I've been through this sort of thing before, so on a personal level, I can cope. It's, yeah. it's the family that suffer. After the life he's led, David McCulloch is well able to endure pressure, but I could tell he was rattled. This had caught him off guard, and he was searching for answers. Who had set this deportation in motion? 
Victoria, please, have had an agenda, and I'm curious as to why after all this time, you know. Why after all this time is the key. So what's the process from here, Davey? Don't know yet. I'll wait till I, I speak to legal counsel and see what transpires from there. The paperwork served by Border Force on McCulloch gave him no options. He had served a prison term of more than 12 months, which gave the Home Affairs Minister the right to kick him out on character grounds. The Minister had the power to deny all rights of appeal and the right to natural justice. Natural justice refers to how the system protects itself against bias and also enshrines the right to a fair hearing. You can think about it in these terms. There's a general duty to act fairly. And I note that Dutton says that under the normal course, you'd get 28 days to appeal this, but he's not even giving you that. I don't know. Will they attempt to deport me quickly? Is that the plan? I guess so. You're going to have to get your legal team onto it straight away. The timing of this move raised questions. McCulloch was then seeking to have his matters heard before the Royal Commission into Victoria Police's handling of informers. I covered his involvement in the podcast Understate Lawyer X. It was a probe into the activities of Lawyer X Nicola Gobbo, but the terms of reference allowed other cases in. McCulloch was alleging police corruption going right back to the early 2000s. Much of it had never come to light. Some of the officers implicated had gone to jail. Others were now in senior positions in Victoria Police. I'm not quite certain why. It just seems coincidental that it's as a result of my involvement in some degree with the Royal Commission. And, and your continuing advocacy for people inside jail. Yes, within the realms of the order made, I no longer enter into any grey areas. I simply no. seek to have them receive pro bono professional legal services, which have been successful on a number of inmates. There was a simpler explanation for the timing. He'd recently participated in this podcast that had been critical of the police. It's a view of several barristers that the J-Law podcast probably contributed somewhat to what happened. And I say that... I'm sorry about that. It's not your fault at all. It's the same as the inmates, those high-profile inmates. They're blaming themselves for me trying to help them, even when I've left the prison system, (laughs) for my dilemma. This wasn't the first time the government had used the character test on David McCulloch. In 2015, then-Home Affairs Minister Scott Morrison had cancelled J-Law's visa prior to his release from jail. In 2017, the new minister, Peter Dutton, had revoked that cancellation after McCulloch appealed, supplying a sheaf of character references which backed up the story of his redemption in jail. The minister accepted that McCulloch had changed, so as long as he wasn't involved in crime, he could stay in Australia. As the document says, it states that if there's any other criminal matters, they can review his decision. Yeah. I have no right. other criminal matters. So, and he's, and the, he's denied the natural justice component. And why? What's his reason for that? Well, he has no reason for it because... When I received my visa back under his revocation of the cancellation, it states clearly it will be revisited in the event of other criminal matters or charges. I've quoted it verbatim. Nothing had changed since the visa was restored. In this long stint in jail, he began to see crime for what it was, a twisted subculture that had consumed his life. But getting free of this criminal life would not be so easy. 
old enemies had long memories and at least one enemy was wearing a police uniform, so he discovered. In February 2019, police took the chance to rid the state of Victoria of the jailhouse lawyer. They alleged that McCulloch's advocacy for prisoners was just a sham, a money-making scheme in jail. Waters had considered that J-Law had been preying on vulnerable and naive inmates who were new to the system. They observed that he had amassed a significant amount of money by virtue of this work. In one instance, he was paid $7,500. An actor is reading from the police officer's report. McCulloch still appears to be running the scam he ran in Barwon Prison, whereby he convinces prisoners that he is acting to appeal their sentences and they will soon be released. Yet police allege there is no evidence of any appeal papers being lodged. This was contradicted by the references from the grateful families of inmates McCulloch had assisted. Dutton acknowledged this was real, as he had when he allowed McCulloch to stay in 2017. An actor is reading from the Minister's statement. I also note that letters of support from prisoners and their families expressing gratitude for the legal assistance received from Mr McCulloch have led to successful appeals in some instances. But somehow, the Minister found a way to turn this plus into a negative. This evidence provided by Mr McCulloch raises further concerns over his activities of providing legal assistance, including confirming that he has been communicating with prisoners and high-profile criminal peers in contravention of prison regulations. McCulloch had been convicted of no offence, nor even questioned. There was only the Legal Services Board matter, which had been settled with no admission of guilt. The court was duty-bound to warn McCulloch not to cross the line in future. But on the strength of that, the minister deemed McCulloch at risk of re-offending. No wonder Dutton had to deny McCulloch natural justice. This argument would never stand scrutiny in a fair legal fight. In effect, by seeking to help his fellow inmates, McCulloch had found himself in the wrong again. He would have stood a better chance of remaining in Australia had he ignored the pleas for help and just done his time. It didn't matter that he came out a better man. There are all sorts of opportunities through people I've helped in the years that I've been there through some of the so-called Mr Biggs of international crime or whatever and as a way of offering thanks for what I have done. McCulloch had refused all these opportunities and he'd survived on nothing since his release. As he awaited deportation, he produced a 40-page document for the minister, setting out all of this. But after spending Christmas and New Year in detention, he was resigned to his fate. As of today, December 29th, what is your intention? My immediate plan is to, well, leave, of course, because I have to work at them. I have four grandchildren who need some assistance in a variety of ways for medical mm-hmm. schooling. So, so when will it take place? Have you got any kind of schedule? No schedule at all. I haven't heard anything yet. They have to move me as promptly as possible, whatever that means. In early January 2020, David McCulloch called me to say the wheels were moving. He'd had another visit. Border Force have collected my passport this morning. What do you think that means? It means it's the beginning of the process of what they call the removal pathway. What a nice term. Removal pathway. The removal pathway. Mm. So it may well be that it could be more imminent than, I guess, imminent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? I'm not sure, to be honest. 
As always, McCulloch was resolute. He would continue his defiance from the United Kingdom. I'm not going to stop what I do, and, and I'm certainly not going to stop having normal friendship conversations with people I spent 13 plus years with. And I'm not going to stop assisting in ways that I'm permitted to assist that is all above board. Well, listen, mate, hang in there and let me know the next step in the removal pathway. It's a removal pathway. I thought that yeah. was a wonderful, wonderful term. On January 16, McCulloch was taken in handcuffs to Tullamarine Airport and sent back to the UK. The Herald Sun newspaper was leaked the story and splashed it all over page one under the headline, Locked and Loaded. Scottish-born organised crime boss David Stephen McCulloch was kicked out of Australia today after decades of industrial-scale drug dealing. McCulloch, 70, was a known associate of many crime gang bosses, including Bikey John Higgs, murdered Melbourne Mr Biggs, Lewis Moran and Graham the Munster Kinnebra, jailed drug lord Tony Mockbell and slain drug trafficker Carl Williams. McCulloch is among the 270 foreign-born organised crime figures who've had their Australian visa cancelled since November 2014. The story referred to Victoria Police's report to the Home Affairs Minister, suggesting they'd included new information about McCulloch's activities. Just what that information was, they didn't say. Not surprising, because there was no new information. Just a rehash of old material with a dash of poetic licence. The message was that J-Law's rehabilitation was just a ruse to stay here to commit more crime. He was just as bad as 2005, when a cop told the Herald Sun that McCulloch was one of the most manipulative, cunning and poisonous individuals he'd ever dealt with. At one time, McCulloch had plotted to kill one of his rivals. I did not recognise the individual in that story, at least not the man I knew. Reading it, you would have thought that McCulloch was an active international crime boss, not a 70-year-old former inmate trying to pick up the pieces of his life. He'd been staying in a spare room at his mate's house, surrounded by legal files and research, working on his matter and a range of other people's. Each day he took the train into town to an office where he would summarise the hearings of the Lawyer X Royal Commission for a group of barristers and solicitors. The report and the secret intelligence it was based on contradicted everything I'd seen and that we had discussed for this podcast. Perhaps I had been fooled. It wouldn't be the first time, as I do believe in the idea of rehabilitation and a second chance. He could have taken advantage of that to stooge me and many others who'd given him the benefit of the doubt. But McCulloch is earnest in his efforts to go straight. He was a different man now. It was weeks later that I got to speak to David, now ensconced in London. Dave, how are you going, mate? I'm going well, thank you. Yourself? Good, good. I'm okay. Yeah. I had to hear his side of the story. It made me doubt myself. You know, we've been talking all these months and years about, you know, your rehabilitation, your redemption of what you did. And it's sort of, yeah. you know, Dutton and that Herald Sun story have just kind of rendered everything a sham or a scam, you know? That all the stuff you did in prison as a jailhouse lawyer was now just a scam, you know? And it was very disappointing. I don't know that it's disappointing. I think you've been in the job, you've been in long enough to know that governments, when they're concerned about something, get themselves involved in things that they can 
fabricate. I mean, my record over 13 years, you can't hide for 13 years anywhere, particularly yeah. in a prison setup. All the reports that Dutton, you have copies of the reports that Dutton mm. had in his possession when Dutton was the very person who uh, revoked the cancellation of my visa that Scott Morrison had issued in 2015. What you had laid out in the podcast was a very sincere, very genuine story about your change of heart, your decision not to return to the twisted subculture, and yet that gets all swept away. In fact, in the minister's reasoning, if I could just jump there for a minute, he says, okay, acknowledge that there was successful outcomes, but this, in fact, indicates another reason to get rid of him because he's got these connections and is associating with his high-profile criminal peers. Who are these high-profile criminal peers that you're still communicating with, Dave? Who are they? The guys that are doing time in prison it's <laughs> that I became friends with through the years. You must realise that's where I lived for all those years. Yeah. It's interesting that every conversation I have with those high-profile inmate peers, as they're described, it's interesting to note that all of the conversations I had with them are on the prison recording system. So it wouldn't have taken a really bright person to have called for the recordings and made an assessment of them. Oh, that's right. So whatever's happened has been designed to get me out of the country. Why? I have no idea why. Why would they do that? Who knows? So, I mean, who are you talking to? Let's just, who are you talking to in Barwon still or in the oh, system? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be naming names of people who I speak to in Barwon for the very fact that any publicity could create problems for them. You I know understand. The system yeah, I do. And was it ever in contravention of prison regulations as was stated in the minister's statement? How could it be if before an inmate is allowed to put someone on their telephone list, the person is vetted by Corrections Victoria? At 70, McCulloch finds himself in a country he barely remembers, far from family and friends. He must find work and support himself before his savings from two years of work post-prison run out. It's this kind of dilemma that can destroy a former inmate's confidence making a return to crime an easy option. But I guess on a personal level, Dave, I'd be incredibly disappointed if after, I guess, what we've shared, what we've talked about, your struggle to put your life together after jail, after that conviction, I'd be sad for you if the only option was to go back to crime. Adam, that just sounds like an absurd assessment. Why would I ever go back to crime? I don't think you would. It's been 35 years since I was involved in a crime for which I pleaded guilty and for mm. which I'm forever ashamed of. So it doesn't come into the picture for me. Sure, it's tough over here just now because it was a sudden and unexpected detaining of me on the 20th of December as I was leaving for work, as I'd done for the two years that I'd been home, and placing me immediately in the detention centre. Well, my employment virtually ceased from that day. I'm settling in reasonably well in the UK. I'm determined, and as you would be aware, I am seeking employment. Now, at my age, that's probably going to be a bit difficult, but I'll get by. 
this is what I do. I'm a survivor. It's I, as simple as that. Yeah, but it's kind of disappointing to see someone's hard work at self-rehabilitation, at helping others in the system, getting outcomes for people, can so easily be swept away when, in fact, I think you should be an advertisement that rehabilitation still exists, still possible. But really, it's just this terrible, dismal pessimism about people coming out of the system seems to, again, be the order of the day. You made a call with the many discussions we've had in the past. I've been mindful to avoid suggestions of conspiracy theories in relation to my 20-year battle with certain elements of Victoria Police, specifically the former Victoria Police Drug Squad. Well, as you would know, and is on the record, a significant number of those officers went to prison for corruption and indeed drug dealing. It's quite clear to me with what happened to me and it's quite clear to others who've known me for a long time and even those who have known me for a short time. It's quite clear that there has been some vendetta. Now, does that still exist after 20 years? I wouldn't have thought so. But of course, with what happened to me, I now have to reconsider. I believe that it's feasible, based on the future findings of this Royal Commission, that another Royal Commission could well be called for, and that would be to examine those who were and are at the helm of the current Victoria Police Force and what such a critical organisation is required to prevent what has happened from occurring again. David, just finally, you're coming back, do you reckon? I will be coming back. Council are certain that we have a case which will bring me back, despite the offer of assistance from the many legal entities with whom I've worked the past two years. I'm essentially engaged in preparing by myself, Adam, an application for a review of the Minister's decision as a self-represented litigant. And I have been advised I shall be able to do this by way of an out-of-time application. And so, David McCulloch's fight against corrupt elements in the police goes on. The force itself acknowledged those failings, prosecuting several officers who'd been involved in McCulloch's matter. Others escape judgment, he says, but their day will come. There are tens of thousands of honest and decent police officers who protect my family as well as all of our families. And so to see that being cleaned up, and I'm getting rid of those who may still be corrupt. But every large organisation has a level of corruption, but we can't afford the level of corruption at the upper echelons. A lot of people agree with you. Mate, I think we'll leave it there, eh? Speak soon. Thanks, mate. All the best. Bye. Cheers. Bye. I'll be following J-Law's story to its conclusion. I think it matters not because McCulloch is somehow special, but because I think once the government has assessed your character, unless you've behaved in a manner that changes that decision, then politicians or others should not be in a position to influence. And if they have a reason to judge for a second time, that person should be able to test the credibility of the evidence and the integrity of the process. In recent years, governments have sought to control the free association of people, who we can be friends with and who we must avoid. Sometimes it's warranted and sometimes it's not. We must always question whether it's in the public interest. David McCulloch's case will now be reviewed and that's all he can ask for and all that we should expect. Thanks for listening. The producer was Sarah Grinberg. Mixing, editing and theme music by Matt Nikolic. Research by Nolly Weshand. Executive producer Grant Tothill. 
Adam Shand at Large is a Podcast One Australia production.